What is up, Mavs fans? Bobby Corelli here with another episode of Numbers on the Boards. We have a special two-part edition for you this week. Part one is going to come out today. Part two will come out tomorrow. Skin Wade is out of town enjoying life on vacation with his family. And apparently Don Nelson, too, if you check out his Twitter and Instagram account. So that's very cool. I'm looking forward to getting stories from him on that whenever he gets back. But in the meantime, we are talking draft and uh, the summer maybe a little free agency, the future, and uh, looking back on the 2011 championship run with a few of my very good friends uh, in the media joining me on this two-part episode are Tim Cato, Doyle Raider, and Johnny Opping. So we'll get to know them a little bit and, uh, like I said, talk a lot of draft on this part one. And then in part two, we're going to look to the future and also look back and uh, reflect on some of the best memories of our sports lives Uh, whenever the Mavs scaled the NBA mountain and planted their flag in 2011 against the Miami Heat. So enjoy part one today, and uh, part two will come out tomorrow. Listen to them together if you wish. Listen to them independently if you want. But uh, sit back, relax, and enjoy some Hoops podcasts. Thanks, guys. Mark Stein here getting educated on the Mavs, listening to the all-knowing Jeff Skinwade and Bobby Corrala on the Numbers on the Boards podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of Numbers on the Boards. My name is Bobby Corella. I do Mavs stuff at Mavs.com. Normally joining me today would be Skin Wade, but he is out of town on vacation and he did not invite me. He's with his family or something. Very lame. So joining me instead are three of my best and longest friends, longest term friends. On the circuit, there are three guys who have covered the Mavs collectively for, I don't know, almost 20 years. Um, and they're, they're three good people. So I'm excited to have them here today. From my right to my left, sorry, Johnny, I'm going to introduce them now. First, he is the youngest person in the world. <laughs> and... Uh, he, he writes, I guess, and does other things. Newly at the Athletic DFW, he is the great Tim Cato. It's good to, hear, good to be here, and I believe factually everything you said was correct. As a journalist, that's important to me. He's getting I'm things glad. right? Yes. yes. Okay. Yes. What other things do you do for the Athletic, or is it just writing so far? Uh, juggling, you know, uh, you know, sometimes I dress up in the clown Juggling suit. tasks or like literally juggling? Literally juggling. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's exciting, Tim. It's mostly just writing. Yeah, looking know. forward to hearing more of that. You've been covering the Mavs since, what, 2012, 2013, something like that? I started writing for Mavs Moneyball in 2010, actually. Oh, wow. Uh, okay. So, and then I have been covering them on a paid basis probably since about 2012, 2013. Um, so it's, it's been a bit of a journey. Since the O.J. Mayo year. Since the O.J. Mayo year. Those were good Indeed. times. Those were good times. Quite the time to start. You were in elementary school at that point, right? Uh, younger, I believe. Um, <laughs> the crib. You know, honestly, I, I didn't have formative memories at that point in my life, so. It's probably better if during that season to not have formative memories. <laughs> that voice that you just heard without introduction, well, there were two of them. The deeper voice that you just heard literally right before I started talking belongs to WFAA and Mavs Moneyball, former teammate of Tim. Now arch nemesis. That's correct. On the Mavs beat, he is Doyle Raider. Hello, Doyle. Thanks for joining us, man. Hey, thanks for having me, Bobby. So you do WFAA, but yes. you also write for Mavs Moneyball. That's correct. Do you have like one uh, an allegiance to one more than the other, or is it just kind of you know? Uh, how does that work? Yeah, it's pretty open ended. I do kind of different stuff for both sides. So like for. WFAA, I write for their, their website. Obviously, they don't have me on TV for that. Uh, I uh, kind of give them more of, like, game takes, quotes, stuff like that. And I'll do uh, some video for the website and broadcast occasionally. And for uh, Moneyball, they uh, <clears throat> kind of give me free range to do whatever. And I can write really asinine things sometimes. And you I dabble in the absurd. Yes, a little bit, yeah. Yeah, definitely. One of my favorite things that you just wrote, actually, was pretty much the other day. It was... How the Mavericks could uh, recruit Giannis to Dallas by way of feeding him corn dogs. Yes, yeah. I, I think so. that's uh, really strong. Someone told me on uh, Twitter that it was just complete 
junk and clickbait. And uh, you know what? They're absolutely right. And uh, that made me happy. Well, that is the type of journalism that we all deserve. Tim does the serious stuff. Doyle is the food critic. <laughs> Sitting to Doyle's right is, uh, I guess, he's sort of a jack-of-all-trades when it comes to writers. Uh, you can find his basketball words at Real GM. You can find his thoughts on the world at The New Yorker. And you can find very complicated stories uh, that are far beyond my ability in the Texas Monthly. He is Johnny Alping. 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 like hopping without an age. Oh, okay. That's, that's what I usually it's tell Kind of like basketball. Yeah, exactly. That's, yeah. you know, all ties in. Yeah. I think I'm best known for being one of Bobby Crow's longest-term friends, <laughs> as he put it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. But, yeah, basketball at Real GM, you know, uh, all sorts of... I just uh, spit Dr. Pepper all over oh, my... Oh, yeah, <laughs> all over the boards, as they say in the biz. It was biz. a beautiful yeah. sight. It was beautiful. Yeah, Dr. Pepper on the boards. There's a reason this is an audio... Medium, yes. not a yes. uh, video one. We, we all have faces and personalities for radio. Hey, now. Uh, so, Johnny, sorry uh, to, to steal your thunder. You were saying. Uh, yeah, I mean, basketball, if you're looking for the basketball takes, uh, it's usually going to be a real GM. Um, typically, just league-wide takes. Um, or, I mean, like, generally, Dion Waiters or J.R. Smith-related, but it could be, um, could be anything, any team, anything around the league, but the Mavs have always had my heart. What's also, interesting about those – oh, I'm sorry. Tim, you can also find his basketball takes at the West Village Starbucks. Yeah. The West, well, Prominently. We might have to edit out my location uh, <laughs> <Nope>. for fans. <laughs> nope, but I yeah. No, I, I don't, I don't edit you this podcast, podcast, actually. You can often find me and, and – uh, Jonathan Charks, uh, friend of the pod, um, at at a anonymous location where we talk about basketball takes, uh, and he writes them. He writes like well crafted basketball takes, and then I usually write something about J.R. Smith. You're bold enough to talk about them, but not bold enough to write them. Oh yeah, like whatever the hottest take. Like if you see something in one of Charks's uh, articles for the Ringer. And you're reading it, and you're like, this is a great article, and then maybe a third of the way through, he has, like, two sentences. You're like, well, I don't know if I buy that. I put that, I planted that in his head. Awesome. So that's kind of like, you know, I don't get checks from the ringer, but there's something usually there that I kind of plant. A little bit of Those who know, know. So, uh, yeah, so between, and, and Doyle, you've been on, I think, since, since I have, 2013-14, right? That was your first year? Uh, that was my first year being credentialed, I think. I started my own site years ago. Ah, yes, the Kobe beef. That's correct. And from there, I went to <clears throat> WFAA. I used to write for Central Track. I uh, covered the Mavericks for a couple of different outlets. So, But, yeah, when I, when I came on to Moneyball with Tim, uh, that's how I got credentialed for the first time. Those were the days. And, mm-hmm. Johnny, you, I believe, also, uh, like Tim, started during the O.J. Mayo year. Yeah, absolutely. I think O.J. Mayo was the first Maverick I ever spoke to really I, yeah I, I think i was just like hey you excited and he was like yeah and and i was like all right cool well, i'm a reporter yeah. uh, and he was like i'm a basketball player and well i was like we'll see <laughs> <laughs> ouch how would you say that panned out well fine for both of us yeah you know yeah. I, would I, say, I, I would say i you know i couldn't say it worked out any <laughs> any worse for him than it has for me well is, hey, is he I still would, in africa no 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 he's in i think Puerto Rico, or I think he's in. I would believe whatever. I, I always <laughs> North America. No, no, no. I'm, I'm almost positive he's in. Like I think. Puerto I always Rico. look to you when I'm wondering what OJ Mayo is up yeah. to. Yeah, as the former. You are the he, he hit a game winner, source. or no, a game tying shot against the Clippers, like a baseline fadeaway uh, that sent them into overtime. I think they lost after that, but I don't know. Good it was year. A big shot. Yeah, it was a big yeah, OJ Mayo shot. moment. Well, we all outlasted OJ Mayo in Dallas, but he made more money in that year than all of us have made combined since then. So who is I'm laughing now? Uh, so with that in mind, I guess, you know, so since we all have kind of, I guess, collectively, like I said, we've covered this team for more than two decades, although we've really covered them for like six years. Um, uh, between the, the four of us, you know, we've we've seen some stuff, man. We've seen some great players. We were all here throughout that Monte Ellis run in 2014. We were all here for Rondo. We were all here for 
um, that weird saga in the summer of 2015. We were all here for Chandler Parsons. We were all here for Harrison Barnes and kind of the, the rebuilding movement with Dennis Smith. Uh, in that time, uh, the thing that held us all together was our bond with each other. We've become the best of friends. Uh, if you ever go to a game at the AAC, you can often find uh, – well, Tim is big time now. He sits down low. But you can find the three of us sitting next to each other, me, Johnny, and Doyle, sitting next to each other in the press box upstairs. Uh, Tim will occasionally join us whenever he's feeling whenever he's feeling friendly. But generous it, is the gener- uh, whenever he's <laughs> <really> <laughs> <more>. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if you're at a game, just look up until your neck hurts, and, yeah. and, you'll, and you'll see us just uh, with up our above tape. section three eleven. Yeah, but we all reunite, no matter where we sit. We all reunite at halftime for our customary halftime hot dog. But uh, covering games is really no, an interesting well experience. And uh, <laughs> yeah, between the four of us, we probably covered I don't know a thousand games, maybe. Oh, so, yeah. wow! Just in your time in the NBA, I mean, um, what kind of I, I don't know any any stories? I guess pull the curtain back a little bit for for the listeners at home because uh, we get a lot of people obviously to listen to this podcast that are not credentialed to cover the team and and really only hear the stories that we're able to tell them. And I'm sure you guys have, have experienced things that I have not that maybe you would find that uh, people who listen to this podcast might want to know maybe about a certain player or a coach or uh, maybe an opposing player or, I don't know, any experience covering a team home or abroad. My all-time favorite moment still has to be when a, uh, when a certain Mavericks backup center uh, spoke across the locker room to a certain ESPN reporter telling him that he was uh, – just a guy with two thumbs and a phone. And now that guy has two thumbs, and the guy you're talking about has two championships. <laughs> yeah, he sure does. It's funny how things change. <laughs> yes. Well, I was hoping for more, like, uh, inspiring or happy. Oh, I have well, those two. I have that's those pretty two. inspiring, yeah, honestly. That's, that's pretty you know, cool. that's not the uh, – I don't tell the inspiring ones as the go-to bar story. It's definitely yeah. the uh, – it's the you have two thumbs. Mm. Still a, top, a top-notch insult. It, that is a great insult, and it's true about all of us. Honestly, we're we're nothing yeah. but talking Twitter accounts. Um, yeah, I, I no would, offense. <laughs> <laughs> um, maybe on a happier note, I would say that a former Maverick. You know, I, I would hope that most Mavs fans have some nostalgia appreciation for Monte Ellis and his time here. Um, the the Mavs went probably further that season, or one season in particular when they took the Spurs to seven with Monte in 2014 than people would have expected. And, and Monte played really hard for the Mavs. Um, and, and, uh, but one thing that a lot of fans wouldn't know, I would say, is that Monte Ellis Jr. was probably the cutest hmm. kid that ever stepped foot in, in their Carolina son. Center. You uh, could see him. They would see him on the court in shoot-around. Sometimes right, he'd yeah. the layup. And they, they might be familiar, yeah. And there's a pretty adorable image of Monte after a great game holding his hand uh and yeah I mean he would often be in the locker room uh with a bag of popcorn roughly the same size as him because <laughs> he's uh, like four years old at the time maybe. I, yeah. I mean he was like so small <laughs> oh so, yeah so he's oh, very still four he was, as uh, yeah. far as I'm concerned he had <laughs> roughly he had Monte's sort of like charisma uh mm-hmm. but but he was much smaller and yeah. uh I mean like my Jose Calderon story is basically I think someone Maybe Sean Marion uh, was was talking to the media, so there's a big scrum of reporters, and I wasn't recording it. I, I didn't need the audio, so I was kind of hanging back and just sort of trying to listen. And I get this tug on my shirt, and and I look around. There's no one. And I, I another tug, and and there's a, a little child, and it's Monte Jr. And he just looks up at me, and he just says, "Where's Jose?" And he was talking about Jose Calderon, and he just wanted Jose. And I said, I didn't know. Maybe he's in the back. And he just rolled his eyes at me, starts walking to the back, and there's, there's popcorn just trailing. And he's leaving <laughs> a trail of popcorn. And then I just You've got to remember how to get back. And, and then I just hear in the back, I just hear this little kid go, where's Jose Calderon? <laughs> and I was like, this kid is just so cool. <laughs> Monte, of course, a great math. Great Absolutely. Man. Yeah. Monte Jr. Ask the fellas. I wonder what well, he's got to be, I don't know, coming up on middle school by now. Yeah, he's probably getting buckets at this name. point. Yeah. Yeah. Because we get like LeBron's son and, and Dwayne Wade's son are coming up on high school. The next super team. Yeah. Those three. Monte Jr., Le, uh, LeBron, LeBron Jr., Jr. and 
Oh man, and that'd be amazing. Zion Wade, I believe, is okay. Is Dwayne Wade's Deep son? Full. Yeah. yeah. So would, there you go. And it, how great would it be if Monte Junior was the best? Dude, that would be awesome. <laughs> I wonder you you could like bond with him over tales of popcorn. Yeah, he would probably just roll his eyes like oh. tell me that none of that oh, happened. you don't think he remembers that uh magical moment i well i would i would have to fact check it with jose calderon and then two versus one you would probably remember that's such that a point. new yorker answer <laughs> who, who fact checks the, anyway man we're, keep in mind we're, i write bad jokes for the new yorker <laughs> i don't want anyone on here thinking that i write you know these deep investigative pieces uh i i write jokes about like han solo movies and avenger movies and <laughs> phil jackson so let's not Make it seem like I anyone is fact checking what I write. <laughs> a lot of the best stuff that you see in the NBA is not on camera. It's stuff that's like behind the scenes. Maybe stories that people tell of other people of other people, where it's like you're hearing it third hand, or uh, maybe uh, little moments like that, or like after shoot around, you see people talking to each other. It's just kind of like I don't know. The more you spend, the more time you spend around a team, whether you have your phone recording whether you're taking video or whether you're just like existing uh every second you spend around them gives you more chances to learn about these guys that you cover right which helps you tell better stories i have one more that i can throw out there while we'll, uh while we're on the topic if uh, if you guys wish um in uh in, in naming my many many accolades obviously very important person indeed, right here indeed uh you failed to mention that i'm the author of 100 things mavericks you are that's right that's right no one do before they die and the reason i bring that up is because uh for people who possibly have read the book i, I know it's gone out to a lot of season ticket holders and in folks like that mm-hmm. uh you may be familiar with the story it's in the first chapter of my book uh but it's it's that i was so so it was the 2014 series so so it was a monte locker room you know, it was, it was that season. Um, it was Game 7. Uh, I'm, in the, I'm in the Mavericks visiting locker room in San Antonio in Game 7. They had just lost a heartbreaking, like, 30-point defeat, mm-hmm. you know, after getting that close. And I believe on Easter Sunday, too. Yeah, yeah. Maybe it was. Like so. Yeah, it was. So even it was, in, it was. That weekend stands out for me because I also broke up with a college girlfriend that, oh, that weekend. It was, it was a... Uh, Talk about adding insult and, to and, injury. And, you know, so, so I drive... It, I think that happens right before I drive down. Mm. And so it was, it was a very strange weekend for me. Um, but but uh, I'm in the locker room. I'm in the visiting locker room. And I see Dirk. And, uh, you know, there's obviously everybody's probably familiar with the podium and how the podium comes out in the playoffs. Uh, Rick Carlisle had done it. The only Maverick that was going to do the podium was, was Dirk Nowitzki. So he was getting, you know, dressed all by himself, kind of alone, you know, in his corner where he has some more space because he is Dirk. And... As he kind of walks out, uh, he, he kind of gets to the entrance of this pretty pretty small visiting locker room, turns around, points to one of the Spurs ball boys, and is just like, you know, I, I don't remember, you know, but he, but he says, he identifies him by name. He's like, hey, you have a good summer, do well in school, and then does the same thing to another uh, kid who's like across the locker room. And so you think about that. You think about when he could have actually had time to learn these kids' names and take an interest, you know, even, you know, to a very small degree. He was only in San Antonio four times for four games. Uh, so sometime, some, somehow in that manner, and even in a heartbreaking defeat, you know, Dirk is still looking out for, you know, these, these two kids that to some degree he, he bonded with. Uh, you know, I don't know, you know, probably doesn't even remember this moment. I, I doubt Dirk does. He's the uh, goat, I bet, man. But I bet, I bet those two kids do. So. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. And think of how many kids, how many kids have been those kids. You know. Right. Oh, I mean, yeah. I guess we all have even. Just, I'm sure he said nice things to you guys. Maybe. Maybe. Usually maybe. Buddy. I think yeah. Buddy is the most. Yeah, Buddy. Yeah. He, he gave yeah, me. Buddy. He gave me a half hug once, and it was a, it was a solid moment. Well, there you it was go. A good hug. He's acknowledged I, my existence because I'm tall. So. Mm. <laughs> that is something, Doyle. That's something. Uh, Want to hear a story? I fed Dirk his first funnel cake. Oh, I was hoping you were going to say you fed, fed him his first burger. Wording well, I didn't I feed him. I, 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 I fetched it, it, it for him airplane, and gave it to him. You know, him. like yeah. with, the, with the kids. You're <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Was uh, this at the state fair? This was at the state fair, that season some, ticket order event. Yeah. All right, we'll get some get some corny dogs next time you're out there and send them up to Giannis. Oh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, Fletcher's, right? Fletcher's the stuff. Fletcher's, corny dogs. Uh, Okay, so a a little later on, I want to look back because um, I guess even though we're all like big, serious, you know, journalists, whatever. (laughs) uh, Sure. Every single one of us, yeah. uh, We all have to kind of remove our emotions from the situation when talking about this team. Uh, I do want to ask you guys about the championship because I know all of you have been around Dallas for a very long time. 
And although some of you were out of town uh, during that time, I believe that Doyle and Tim, you were both uh, here there for that. So I do want to yeah. hear your guys' stories from that run because we are recording this on June 12th, which is the seven-year anniversary of the best day ever. But first, uh, we've got to give the people what they want. People want to hear draft talk, and we're going to give it to them right now. So prepare your hot takes on the other side of this Reminder that all of our draft talk is presented by Five Miles, a Dallas-based app where you can buy and sell merchandise to people who live close to you very quickly, very easily, and very safely. Let's say you have a copy of Tim Cato's book and you've already read it and you want to share it with the Mavs fan you know. You post it, 100 things Mavs fans should know and do before they die on Five Miles, and you say, hey, I only want 5 bucks for this or 10 bucks for this or 15 bucks for this, whatever it is. Johnny's sitting on his phone. He sees it and says, hey, I want another copy of that. I already have one. I want two. I'm that's, gonna what, that's what Tim wants. It's <laughs> not official book sales, but well, I'm secondary sorry. market sales. I'm sorry. It is what it is. It's an example. It's a callback. Maybe you want to sell that chair. I need instead. my second copy of Tim's book. You, want, you need your second copy. You've already bought one the one, one that I have on Tim. the shelf and the one that I open and read. Exactly. Because you don't want the pages getting bent. Exactly. On the, you, know, you already have it. It's a signed copy. one that's copy. signed by Tim. It, yeah, it's framed. So anyway, you go on five miles and say, hey, I want a chair. I want a, a new microphone for my podcast that I'm doing with all my friends that hopefully everyone is listening to and loving. You go on there, you buy it, you agree to meet at a safe space with the person you're buying the item from. You make the exchange and everybody's happy. Uh, all of our draft coverage, again, brought to you by five miles. Go to Mavs.com slash draft central for all of our draft coverage. And the draft, by the way, is only nine days away, gentlemen. Nine days. It's coming up. Spooky. That is very soon. Good. It needs to get here. It does need to get here. It is a huge day, obviously. I don't need to tell you that, but it is a big, big day for this franchise. The Mavs have the number five pick. They have the number 33 pick. They have the number 54 pick. Obviously, 33 and 54 are important, but number five is the most important of them all. You could say it's the fifth most important pick in the entire draft. I mean, How about that? I wouldn't go that far. Yeah, I, I don't know. Easily top five. Well, one of the one of the five. Most it's one important. of the first five picks. It is definitely one of the first five. Is it the most important? We'll see. It could prove out to be. The thing Thank is, we you just heard Hadley. Yeah, yeah. We'll see. We'll see. So, uh, as three bright basketball minds, as three people that uh, report on and and shape, unfortunately, public opinion about this team and the franchise, the direction it's going. Obviously, we know the Mavs are coming off a 24-win season. They won 33 the season before that. Uh, it's been a while since the team has been picking this high. Thankfully, I think we can all agree, and hopefully it'll be a long time before they pick this high again, which means that this is going to be a pretty important day for them. So you can get as specific or as broad as you want, I guess. Um, we don't really know who's going to be there at number five, but for you, where you sit, maybe it's not where you, what you hope the Mavs do, but if I guess the – the question I have for each of you is, is what, or for all of us, I suppose, is what do we think, what do we want the Mavericks to get out of this draft? What decision would behoove them to make? What is, what is the best direction for them to go, whether it's a position or just an idea? Doyle and Johnny, I'm, I'm curious. Removing who is available, if you just had a choice between a wing and a big man, which one would you rather? A wing, 1,000%. I, I think in general... Yeah, I mean, if you are trying not to actually think about the names, I'd probably go wing. I mean, it's like, who are you talking about in the NBA Finals every year? It's usually a wing. I mean, it might be a guy that has the height of somebody who would have been a big man 10 years ago. But I mean, Katie and Giannis are seven-footers. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, I mean, if, 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 we're, if we're calling them a wing and we're calling that prototype of a player a wing, then, I mean, I think that the best version of that is probably the best thing you can you can have yeah i i agree and i, I think that's it, it does put this draft in an inter interesting position just because there are more centers seemingly available uh around that number five pick as you know as we try to project it out you know nobody knows for sure but that, that is that is seemingly where this draft is headed especially for this team um and, and that and that makes me wonder even though i like a lot of the centers um it does make you wonder about you know maybe looking at a Michael Porter. Um, obviously, I, I think a lot of us uh, would be extremely interested in Luka Doncic falling, although that seems unlikely. Um, you know, as, as the, scenario, the most likely scenario it seems to be that Doncic could maybe get to the fourth pick. I, I don't think he would fall past that. It's always changing. It yeah. is always changing. <laughs> it, always changing. it is always changing. And that's the thing about this year is, like, because it's a, it's a bunch of centers, right? So it's Aiton, 
It's Bagley, who's not really a center, but he kind of is. It's Jaron Jackson. It's Mo Bamba. Wendell Carter even now is, seems to be rising. It's like five or five, four, five, six centers that are projected to go in like the first eight picks. And the weird thing is like you look around. Okay, so the Mavs, for example, the Mavs are in such a weird position because they have a big money forward, Barnes, under contract, Harrison Barnes. They got Wes Matthews still with one more year left, and he's kind of a two, kind of a three, but he's he's a wing. They have Barnes. They got Dwight Powell under contract for another couple years at center. So they're very like a they're in inordinary lottery team because most lottery teams have like glaring holes, right? So like Phoenix, for example. Yeah, they don't they have, have a center. They, yeah, they have, but they have Devin Booker. They have Josh Jackson. They have. Uh, T.J. Warren on the wing, who's really starting to come into his own. They got Dragon Bender, who they drafted a couple years ago, playing power forward. So, like, yeah, they need a center. So it makes sense to think that they're going to go with Aiton, right? But also, Doncic is really good. So maybe they just yeah. continue loading up on wings. But then what does that mean for everybody else? The Mavs are not like that in that they already have players under contract who are pretty serviceable. But the draft is a way to, I guess, just get younger, even though they already are kind of young. So I think it's like... Well, I think I, that, that frees them up a little bit to um, like be realistic about the fact that whoever they draft will probably take a couple years. Mm. You know, if you need a center then or you need a point guard, then you're trying to draft a center or draft a point guard to fill that hole and complete the team. Like they did with Dennis Smith last year, basically. Right. They needed yeah, a true. point guard. And, 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 and Dennis Smith, I think, met I would I would I would say he met or exceeded expectations, but yeah. even so, you know, um, it's not like it showed up that much in the win total because a 19-year-old can't fill a hole for an NBA team mm. when he's playing against talented teams. Especially at that uh, position. I mean, it's happened, but it's very rare. Mm. And so I think if you're missing, you know, if you sort of can kind of just draft for what you like the best, the highest potential you see in a player then you know i think it's easier for even fans to kind of understand like well we're drafting this guy because we hope that he's be- gonna become a very good player not because he's gonna fill the hole that makes this team great this year and uh, ideally any player would mm. but it's not it's just sort of you know it, eventually this player will be something that we can build around in, in you know in the ideal i think the maps the freedom to draft any kind of player. That's kind of sounds like coded language for saying, "Man, luck sucks on lottery night." Whenever <laughs> they got the fifth pick, they have the freedom. Yeah, they have of the not <laughs> having uh, a lot of players that they can draft anywhere because, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's all about that but freedom. That's the thing. You know? So, like, we consider this a five-person draft or six-player draft or whatever. Last year, the draft was what considered like eight players, and the Mavs were picking ninth, and they got Dennis, who is better than had a better rookie year than many players taken ahead of him. And the and, rookie and of the, the best year, year player was the, the 14th bit. Yeah, yeah. Like 13th, whatever. And 13th. Kyle Kuzma was picked, what, 27th? So, yeah, we just don't know. But, yeah, I mean, you're sitting at five. You're thinking, yeah, we're probably going to be the top three. We can take the player we want. Now it's just you got to take the player that hopefully you want. Doyle, yeah, you've been pining. So if you follow the Kobe Beef on Twitter, we'll get to plugs later, but if you follow the Kobe Beef on Twitter and you look at media – uh, the Kobe Beef's media, you will see it is literally like nothing but wing gifts, gifts of chicken wings That's right. for the last like six months. I don't know. It's been going on for far too long. That's I, mean, why I didn't start paying attention to the draft six months ago, that's for sure. <laughs> six days ago. It's just been nothing but wings ever since. That's why I'm ready for the draft to get over with too so that you can change up your bit. But I think that leads us to kind of an important discussion. Um, Skin and I have talked about this before, but I want to hear you guys – your guys' thoughts on it because it's kind of the topic du jour in the NBA right now is we all kind of agree that wings matter and if you don't have a good wing on your roster today you're probably not going to you're definitely not going to win the, the finals that's yeah. for sure and, you, and you're probably not going to make the playoffs which is what makes a player like Harrison Barnes so important and his, his development so important is that hopefully he can kind of be one of those guys that gets you 20 every night so we all agree that wings are really important but at the same time we're looking at these centers in the playoffs this year and saying well was Capella even on the floor when the game mattered? Utah had Gobert, and they lost in the second round. You know, do you really need a good big man? But Skin and I both agree that that's going to kind of turn around, right? I'm kind of thinking that, like, in five years, if you don't have a big man, you're going to wish that you had one. Because in five years, the wings that are running the league right now will be older. Meanwhile, Towns, Anthony Davis, Porzingis, all those guys are going to be, like, 25, 26, 27 years old. They're going to be in the prime of their career. 
So, Doyle, I, I guess this is your chance to defend yourself. Because I think that if you're trying to maybe invest in the future, that you want to go big, right? Mm. If you're trying to go now, you want to go wing. And I think the Mavericks have basically they're, – they're leading on that they want to compete for the playoffs next season, which, which kind of makes sense from the wing perspective. But why – is that why you think a wing matters more? Or do you have some other kind of bigger picture philosophical opinions? Well, in general um – Carlisle talked about this a lot last season of just needing playmaking wings on this team because this roster was, what, some guards, Barnes, and then, like, all big men mm-hmm. for the majority of the season. It's like eight centers, basically. Yeah, and until they started, like, you know, letting people go, like, you know, Withy and McRoberts, um, who is a great player, by the way. <laughs> so, such an unnecessary <laughs> job. Yeah. But incredibly on brand. We stay on brand here. Um, but, yeah, and I, you know, that's so big because honestly, the Mavericks really don't have a lot of you know guys who can handle the ball outside of you know their point guards like JJ and Dennis. That's really about it. That's what made that Seth Curry injury hurt so much. Sorry. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right, and you know even to that extent, like it would have been nice to have him out there, but I don't know that he can really facilitate an offense like you know they'd actually want him to. Mm. Just, I mean, I'm not saying he can't, but I don't know that he has all all. All the wherewithal to do that, just yeah. He briefly played point guard for them two seasons ago, and he he, he did point in Sacramento. Yeah, a little yeah. bit, yeah. But it was yeah. He's mostly he's definitely more of a two guard than a, yeah. than a one. Yeah, he's 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 looking for his shot a little bit more and spacing the floor. Mm. He's not really facilitating a whole lot, and you know that's an issue with Barnes too. With like his, uh, he can find his teammates, but so often like the way they ran the offense this year is the ball would just stop with him and he'd work and you know hopefully get to the line or get up a good shot or something and mm. Matthews is there to you know space the floor like he's he's become more three and d in the as he gets up there in age mm. so I really just think they need a really versatile two-way wing that can just like guard three four positions you know I think that's and good. play make absolutely so you you want like the the real real unicorn so you want yeah. like a absolutely a 6a guy that can handle the ball shoot threes defend have yeah. you heard of LeBron James? Yeah. Yeah. There, be, there's not many great. of those guys. So, yeah, yeah. So who is that player if it's not Luca, who is likely going to be gone by the time they draft? I mean. Like, yeah. So, well, I guess uh, the, the other wings at the top of this draft. So Doncic, obviously. And then you have uh, Bridge, the Bridges bros. But I keep calling them brothers. Obviously, they're not related. So Hell and Miles Bridges. Yeah. yeah. That would be um, a cool controversy if we, <laughs> we found out that they were That brothers. they were related? Yeah. Oh, that they were like twins or something? Yeah, like Morris they, twins. Yeah. The Morai. Um, but do they – what what do you see in them that would make you more interested in in them as players? And which one do you like better? I like Miles better right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just think he can do a little bit more to create offense for himself and others on the team. Uh, when it comes to Michael, he's more of like a well, like a Danny Green type three and D for the Spurs. It's like a you you see him as more like a pure shooter. Essentially, uh, that's what he looks like right now. He's coming out of college. Mm-hmm. I mean, he—that's not a problem. He spaces the floor just fine, and he gets rebounds, which this team also needs a bunch of rebounds. So they need to find someone who can do that, not necessarily just a center. But so I mean, yeah, Miles is Miles is somebody I'd like, you know, to see go anywhere. But on, ideally, you know, go where he's needed. Well, so he's Miles, high on your board. Miles is, you know, lower on general boards, it seems like. We've Are got you... nine days. <laughs> things could change could a lot. Things, things gonna, could change. Things could change. change. Uh, yeah, he's back in what, like the 9 to 11 range. You know yeah. what else could change? Those mock drafts haven't heard Doyle <laughs> gushing about him yet. <laughs> what else could change is, is where the Mavs pick. Is, That's is, true. Yeah, that was actually going to be my next question. What a great segue. And it, <laughs> is, is it a podcast if you don't break the fourth wall and mention your own segues? So Tim, uh, as probably the most the most plugged in reporter among us, high praise. Uh, yeah, well, I said probably. So <laughs> that's so yeah, it's not clinched yet. But uh, it's a little bar to clear in the circle. Yeah, there's been. I mean, <laughs> you you go on Twitter. Yeah, thank you. You go on Twitter, and obviously you're going to see a bunch of a bunch of rumors. And this time of year, obviously everybody's lying. I always say that. Never believe what you read on the internet. Period. Especially during the month of May. Um, That's good advice. But with the Mavs sitting at five, and we've all kind of lamented their drop in the lottery, um, you know, maybe we've acknowledged that moving up would be sweet to see, although it's harder to pull off than we want to admit. Uh, 
what about moving down? I mean, do, do you do you think that they're actually going to pick fifth, or do you think that in some scenarios they would be more likely to maybe trade out? I, I expect that they are more likely to pick fifth than to trade it, but I do think trading down is absolutely on the table. Trading up might be on the table. But, you know, uh, Donnie famously is is one to say that you should never trust anything he says ever regarding the draft. Period. You know, certainly he's he has said quite a few things. Cuban has said quite a few things. Um, I, I definitely get the sense that trading down is a possibility. Um, you know, if they don't have... Uh, I, I think they have a lot of players that they like, and possibly not, uh, you know, one or two players, you know, they, they, I think they have a, a player or two that will probably be gone by the time the number five pick arrives that they love. And I think beyond that, they have a lot of players they like. And if they're comfortable moving down two spots or three spots and knowing that, you know, with, with three players that they like still on the board, that they're going to get one of those three and pick up another asset by trading down, I, I think that's absolutely something they will consider. And I, I don't know if that's what... Mavericks fans want to hear. I, I get the sense that most people want to keep the pick. Um, but but in this instance, depending on what they got for a trade down and depending on which player, you know, which are those players that they like, I, I could be potentially on board with, with a move like that. Yeah, because it's not just about moving down. It's also about, like, getting getting something else, too. So if you trade 5 for 8 or 5 for 12 or 5 for 20, you're obviously getting something else. Maybe you're getting another pick later in the draft, later in the first round. Maybe you're getting a player who can slide in right away. I mean, the Mavs have a bunch of guys under contract that can be back next season, but they could obviously do well to uh, to add more depth to this team uh, where it's needed. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I, I, guess, uh, I guess we'll see. I don't know. Do you guys have any hot takes about that? No, I mean, I think I don't really have a hot take. I would, I would imagine, like, my guess – is that they won't end up trading down for the reason that they know that they need how you know the two seasons they, they haven't made the playoffs for a while now the past two seasons they've been in the lottery and uh having number five pick is an opportunity so i think they know that they need to find the player you know a couple they have you know have players on their board and they have to find the players that are realistic and the players that they like the best uh you know like kind of like tim saying they're going to find out who they like but I don't think they're in a position right now to where they want to have nine players they like. They, they, they want to have done their homework and felt like there's somebody there that they love. Like and it was with Dennis. Like it yeah. was with Dennis. And I think that this draft in particular, like we're talking about so many, such a wide range of players that I think it's going to, I mean, this is speculation, but I think it's going to be hard for them to know with confidence if they like somebody, even on draft night that that person, that player will be there. And, and so they can't really risk. I mean, it would be such a disaster if they were. I mean, obviously, we would maybe never know. But mm-hmm. if, for them, if, if they targeted a player, traded down, and something unforeseen happened and that player was not picked, uh, that just can't happen when you've spent two years in the lottery and, uh, you know, you're still, you know, trying to dig – you're trying to dig your way out of, of a couple rough seasons. If you have a player that you – that you do like, that you think deserves the number five pick, then you can't mess around with it. You, like you've got to, you got to go for it. So I would just imagine, and I think there's enough talented players where they're, they're going to find that player. They're going to mm-hmm. figure out who they want. And so that would be my guess, but yeah, obviously crazier things have happened. Yep. Yeah, for sure. And I think a lot of what like they need to really decide on comes back to something you kind of brought up earlier, which is, what's the timetable here? What are they looking at doing? Like, what is, what is the goal? It's not just for next season, but the next three. Like, I think that plays into a huge factor in what they're going to do. Because it's, it's not just the draft that's, you know, it's also free agency and who they go chase. And the draft could potentially directly correlate with who they go chase in free agency. And so if, if all the talk that, you know, you know, like Finley said on, you know, lottery night, uh, they really don't want to come back to the lottery. I don't know that that's necessarily the best course of action. I understand it. But if you're going to try and build through the draft, you have to go full in on build through the draft. And you can put pieces around that, but this is going to be your core because you've already got Dennis at 20 years old. The rest of this team is 26 and up. So there's a solid like five-year gap there, five, six-year gap between – what this core could potentially be. And so is the core Dennis, is it Harrison? 
what is it right now? And I think that's a really big question they need to be looking at coming up for the, just the whole summer in general. The weird thing about this whole kind of like era of the NBA is obviously LeBron is the exception, but he's, what, 33? And yeah. he just put together one of the best seasons of all time. And guys are now like routinely being all-stars right at 32, 33, 34 years old. Like Chris Paul, all these guys are playing so well. So I think that you can still call Barnes young. Right, he's only 26 years old. He's younger than me, yeah. Yeah, yeah he's, 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 he's younger than me, too. I'm 27, man. More, more guys are younger than me than older than me, which is really weird. But, yeah, I think that's a good point. Uh, the guy that you draft this year, assuming he stays on your roster through his contract, is going to be with Dennis for maybe the next, like, eight or nine years. Yeah. Like, that is your core, so you got to make it work. Um, for you guys now, I have a, a question. I guess this is really even unrelated to the Mavs. I think universally, and I think it's okay to say this because uh, I don't believe the rumor mills, but I think universally uh, we consider Aiton and Doncic in some order to be the probably the top two players or two of the top three, maybe top four, I guess, if you're really feeling, feeling brave. Um, but for you guys, from what you've seen, from what you've watched, from what you read, heard, whatever, um, and again, this has nothing to do with the Mavs. This is just general like pet players. Who's kind of your guy in the draft? Who do you... Who do you like of maybe the next like eight or nine players that are on the board? Like who who do you think is third best or maybe even second best or first best? Like that's that's gonna go on draft night. Well, don't just leap at the chance to answer. <laughs> <but> <laughs> the so Tim, I mean Tim, and all all of you guys are more immersed in the daily Mavericks beat. You're probably covering the NBA more on an average of more days per week than me. So. I'm well, thanks lead. for coming on the podcast. I'm gonna, so, <laughs> it's basketball, right? Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to leave the most logical answers to you guys. And I'm going to say that my – because you asked who my guy is. Yeah. So – and my logic is it probably flawed, but I don't know how many hours you guys have spent at the blackjack table. But <laughs> for me, I've spent – Far more than one. And <laughs> most of those have been sad. And so I, I usually am going to leave that blackjack table sad. And let's say, theoretically, that I lost $100 the last time I was at the blackjack table. Then the next time that I come back to a blackjack table, I'm not putting down $20 because that just doesn't – like, why did I come in the first place? Yeah. You know, I, I, why did I come if not to break even – or, or do well for myself. So I'm going to, my, so I'm, I would like a boomer bus player. And to me, that's, that's Michael Porter Jr. I want the guy that, that when you watch three seconds of a YouTube clip and press pause, you go, whoa, that guy is Kevin Durant. And then like, don't, press play because I don't need to see I've seen what I need to see you've seen he the one looked, shot yeah and uh, to me you know um the bust is obvious he's got back problems mm. back is one of the most important parts of your body for an <laughs> athletic endeavor yeah. it's definitely uh, a part of the body yeah. and yeah. uh you can't play without it you know functioning properly um and we didn't even see him except for two games in college and he didn't play very well so not chucked. a glaring endorsement there but uh, but he was one of, if not the number one player out of his high school uh, class. He's 6'10", 6'11". Uh, he can shoot, um, and he can shoot well. I mean, he like he has a jump shot that it could probably get a little bit better, but it's at a pretty good starting point, you know, right now. Um, I know he just had a workout that looked good, which I'm sure your reaction, me overreacting to one workout is probably a lot, but people rolling their eyes at workouts is like, you know, when we rolled our eyes to workout that was good was Joel Embiid, was Giannis. I mean, like, so let me roll the dice. Give me that player. You're really you know. thinking big here. Oh, yeah, exactly. Like, and I'm not saying he's going to be as good as, as those guys or as good as Durant, but, uh, you know, it's if you're in the lottery, if you're any team in the lottery, I, don't you want – a, you know, a guy that can that they can give your fans something. To, I mean, I like. Do you want a role player? And, and it, it might a role player can really help a team building, mm -hmm. but uh, but a great player, a potentially great player, I, I, to me, just go for it. 
that's going to be a question for our listeners to chew on while the other two guys struggle with uh, surpassing the bar that Johnny's just said. I'll, He's I'll really just say in, in regards to Porter, who I, who I do like, um, I, I think the biggest question is is that I have some fear that he's more Andrew Wiggins than Jimmy Butler, and I think that is a a massive and, and, and the problem is that without the tape and the film of him going up against players that are actually you know athletes in college that were actually you know able to you know be on his level to some degree, it's very hard to predict whether he will ever have any type of efficiency level that is appropriate for player like him. I think that's even more than the back or, or maybe as much as the back or, or once you get past the back issues, I, I think the efficiency issues are, are his other massive clearing well, problem. I have a or question. Question, I should say. I don't know the answer to this. I, I don't know your answer. I don't, I don't know what the right answer is. This, uh, if, if Andrew Wiggins current career was in this draft, where, where would you take him? That is a good question. Only knowing what we know to this point, right? Yeah, and, and like speculating how we feel about him going forward. I, I, would, I would imagine that he would probably go in the top ten and I would avoid him at all costs in that top ten. I would let somebody that's else. That's a hot take. That is, uh, so, I mean, that's... It's the same way, but I'm, I'm also low on a player like uh, Marvin Bagley. So, you know, I, there, are, there are certain players who I... Yeah, we all don't see our taste. Yeah, yeah we, I, I, he's just one of those modern NBA types where I see Kevin Durant when I look at Michael Porter, and I'm also, I also see how he could easily be an Andrew Wiggins. So you would, you would take Mike, Michael or Mikel? My, I, I, th- I believe it's Mikel is the Mikkel official. Bridges, one of the bridge bros. Would you take him ahead of Andrew Wiggins' career? Yeah, that's a about where the line gets really fuzzy uh, to me because Mikel Bridges is a I, I, you know I said Andrew Wiggins is probably would go top 10 Mikel Bridges has been mocked at 10 by a lot of people um, you know I think I think if you got to the 10th and 11th pick that's when I would probably still you know gamble on someone like Andrew Wiggins in his current trajectory but um, I, I would say the line's about there for me that's fair that's tough I Tim. mean I, I I think a lot of Fans of these ten, of these thirteen lottery team. I mean, of, of of any team picking in the top ten, I would say uh, would probably take Andrew Wiggins on their team right now. Pretty, but it's it's. I mean, I get your point. Then, like, what more can you get out of him than the twenty two points will probably get you? But a lot of teams are struggling. To score, so I mean, I don't That's know. One thing the Mavericks struggle with weirdly, mm-hmm. this offense has been unstoppable for a very long time, and now that's kind of their, almost their preferred side of the ball where they need the most stuff, mm-hmm. the most help. So who? So who's, I guess I interrupted you with that question. Who, who's your Who's your guy then? I I would say I have two guys. I, I think I no, would. No, the be question is one, Tim. This is my podcast. I make the rules. Ooh, go ooh. for two. Yeah, it no, is no, a, go for one. Go for I'm, one. I'm about to call Skin right now and, and just have him as <laughs> he's an arbitrator. Man, he's he's gonna ignore. Here's that the guy. thing. I I would I would take the big man um, that presumably drops to five of Mobamba and well, Jared Jackson about, Jr. I'm talking about just your like not even not fit on the map. So well, like those if, are if my okay. So so my favorite prospect is is Luka Doncic. He is outside back, of Doncic and uh, outside of him. Yeah. My yeah, my next two prospect <laughs> my next two favorite prospects are Jaron Jackson and Mo Bamba in that order. Oh, both ahead of Aiton? Uh Aiton would be fourth. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah. Okay. You and I aren't so different, Tim. We have more in common than than Right, I, right. So I I am I am huge fans of both Jaron Jackson and Mo Bamba. I think that they uh, I, I think both of their offensive potentials are uh, a bit underrated, and I think defensively they both are you know just have massive massive upside. And specifically, they fit in modern NBA where they can stay on a court, they can you know stretch out to the perimeter and, and guard uh, you know pick up a, a quick guard. You know, sure you're you're not going to stop Steph Curry you know ten times out of ten. Obviously not. No one will. You know, but but I do think that they have the type of defensive potential that you can actually anchor a you know defense around in, in the year 2018 and the year 2022, 
And I think that's crucial. And I think that, uh, you know, as, as we touched on briefly earlier, that I, I think that will become even more crucial as the NBA continues to roll along in, you know, more big men who are versatile, like like some of the names we mentioned in Towns and Chris Tapps and, and players like that. Uh, you know, as, as, as more of those players come along, I, I think having a player like Bamba or like Jackson is, uh, is really crucial and imperative. Yeah, because if you look up and down the West right now, just the West, not the East, ignore the East like we often do in the West anyway, you're seeing Carl Anthony Towns, who just finished, what, his second season? Third. Third season already? Man, time flies. Third season, and he was all NBA, I believe, if not just an all-star. Still not good at defense. Nikola Jokic <laughs> just finished his fourth season, I think, right? And he is already, whatever, 50 triple-doubles, and he's – like the the centerpiece for an unstoppable offense in Denver. And he looks like he's in better shape this summer, too. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Anthony Davis just wrapped up his fifth or sixth year, and he's still like 18 years old. He's still super <laughs> young. You have these three big men. There's going to be a couple more that come in this year's draft. Like, the West is not going to be easy if you're a center five years from now. So I think you – that's kind of why we were saying before, like center is the bet on the future because you're hoping that the guy that you get in this draft will be able to guard those guys and give them buckets at the other end five years from now i mean what's your that's this is so macro that it it's almost impossible to answer but i mean so if you do believe that in three years because of those players you mentioned it's going to be a big man's league you know not a big man's league necessarily well you know a a, a league i know i know what you mean that a handful of big men are dominating to some degree i mean do you like do you draft a big man that you think can stop them or is stopping them like, or do you play, like, how how reactionary are you going to be? Like, can you draft someone, if if Towns is only going to get better, can you draft a 19-year-old that in, over the next couple of years will at all effectively stop that player, or do you just go in a different direction and try to exploit a different kind that's of That's the zig when the zag yeah, question. Yeah, I, yeah, so, I mean, yeah. that's that's tough. I, I think the um, the analogy I've used before is, like, look at what the, the West did reacting to Shaq on the Lakers. Right, you had that run where everybody was drafting big men. Everyone was loading up on big guys, like the Wolves signed Mark Madsen. Even mm-hmm. like the the Mavs gave Eric Dampier this enormous contract in 2003 or 2004, whenever that was. But by the time the the West finally caught up and loaded up on all these big guys to stop Shaq, Shaq was already in Miami. So, right, they wished that they would have had these big guys whenever the Lakers were winning. So the, the West title was I, wide open for Dampier to I, just dominate. <laughs> I also I also think that that we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves. So obviously, we no, saw no, no, that sure, we, yeah. yeah, we saw in the playoffs that it's very very much still a small ball league. It is it's wing oriented right now, but I, I, I don't think it's going to stay that right. Way. I think gambling on a big man now is riding that next wave. Yeah, I, I think that that's is, the idea. That I don't is. think that wave is here yet. I think if we you know both conference finals were dominated by a, by mostly non center you know teams that didn't run centers out there, for and the we most do part. see sw- swings in leagues like right now the NFL is. I know quarterbacks are throwing for. 25 million yards every year but it's starting to be a running back league again look at the draft the last four or five drafts you're getting running backs go in the top 10 every year like Todd Gurley is on top of the league right now Zeke and you got Saquon Barkley being mm-hmm. taken uh, very high this past season like running backs are coming back you know like yeah what you, you kind of overreact to one trend and then the league well, and back I think right. and it's not even like a in all those things I think people think that everything just changes but it is that when when teams copy each other, like what you said when you mentioned a couple centers uh, in that era that uh, that didn't didn't work, it's not because like things change. I mean, obviously it's cyclical, but there's a reason for that, and it's because when you copy someone and you don't have the talent to copy, like if you're that, copying Shaq, but th- you don't then have what Shaq. you're doing is you're like you are just make. There's just a bunch of worse examples of something so exploiting it is very easy you know that then teams can choose to to zag and not only will they be able to handle you know the supposed like if we're talking big men if you have lesser big men then if you're a team trying to react to that you don't even have to worry about it because they're not that good they're not Mm. Shaq you know so you don't even worry about that and then you exploit them with with small ball or whatever you know um well I guess to and Doyle, I'm going to get to you. That's okay. So you better be thinking about your guy. But basically, my, my counter question to that is, so right now, if wings are in vogue, 
why should someone get wings? Why shouldn't we go for Big Ben? Yeah, and right? I guess you know that's, what I'm that's like, why my question was yeah. kind of obnoxious because you were like, why don't we zag from yeah. this? And I'm like, yeah, but after we zag, <laughs> how, what if, what if I zag years zag, zag yeah, But like, so. if you can't stop KD anyway, then why would you draft Giannis? If you can't stop LeBron, why do you want Kawhi Leonard on your team? Like, I don't think it's about stopping guys. That's a really bad mentality to have. Mm. There's a lot of franchises that, like we were discussing that went out of their way one in particular that I can think of right off the top of my head uh, for about 20 years went another way to, you know, chase a ghost, basically. So, like, like when Shaq was good, imagine if you had Steve Nash. <laughs> yeah, right? You know, that could have been incredible. That, but, I mean, it's just a different world. But yeah, I just, uh, I just really think I, uh, I value the versatility on the perimeter a lot more than I do just, like, you know, I'm not saying that there aren't, you know, bet good centers in this draft there obviously are mm. and i think they will be really good in the league but i i need someone out there who can defend multiple positions be able to defend the pick and roll because that is what this league is right now i mean the mavericks run a good pick and roll with dwight powell pretty effectively in fact he's one of best the best in the, in the league. league yeah and that's that's what i'm looking for i want someone who's just you know has that combination of stuff not more like you know and like Tim was bringing up Mo Bamba. I mean, he's shown the ability to go out just because he's super long, but, I mean, how is he laterally? You know, we don't know this. He put in a great sprint time at one of the workouts or the combine, I believe. Allegedly. Yeah. You know, we never know about this stuff. That's very true. I mean, I didn't watch that on TV, so. But uh, if I don't see it with my own two eyes, I don't believe it. Right, yeah. Who are these other people out there reporting things? Yeah. Some some jamokes. <laughs> so that's a long way of saying what that your player is. Are you saying your player is Jackson? If you're choosing between those two, or is is Jackson your guy regardless, or is uh, this about something else entirely? No, just are you just bridge, in terms are you just in terms Miles Bridges ahead of everybody. Miles Bridges is probably my. How good do you think he can be? How good do I think he can be? I think he's really good. Uh, he's a little like, I mean, I don't really care about his length, but I think he can do. He has a lot of tools that if once he refines them, I think he can be a really good player on any team. I right now, like if I was I don't know, after after Doncic and Aiden, I'd put uh, I mean, I don't really like Aiden that much. Doncic is my number one guy, obviously, but it's not in the rules. So I like Jaron <laughs> Jackson. I like him. I think he can be a really good player on on both ends. I think he has the tools to be able to create and one to do to what Doyle was saying earlier, really, like what we were kind of talking about, you know, if the league's smaller, we go big. If the league gets big, you go small. I mean, Doyle's kind of campaigning for players that are in between. I mean, and that might be what the league is: is if you if you're somewhere between six six and six ten, and you can handle the ball, and you can defend the rim, and you can guard a little bit at the perimeter, then that's I mean, if you have enough of those guys, it's like you're not going to be trying to go small or trying to go big. Those guys yeah, can kind of control to, everything. Yeah, yeah you can, and you can switch everything, which is important, too. Everyone's doing that. It's like uh, the Mavs, like, I mean, they were running out a weird roster towards the end of the season there. Um, but they had a bunch of guys that were all like 6'6 just out there, and they were starting to switch everything. And, that, and they were playing really good defense, too. Exactly, yeah. I Against, mean, like, pretty good teams. Yeah, and, like, you got, like, Kyle Collinsworth out there who can ball handle off the perimeter because he was a point guard in college. I mean, he's – I hope I hope, th I hope the team can retain him. That'd be nice. That is – I believe He's, he's it, under contract. It's an option. It's yeah. a team option, I believe. Okay. It's non-guaranteed. But, yeah, I mean uh, – if you can get a six-six guy who can handle and defend, then yeah, that's that's yeah. pretty solid. I, yeah. I mean, that's a good pick. And heck, if you can get like a six-ten guy who can do the same thing, even better. Just switch everything out there. I mean, that's what this league's become at this point. You, you know what a hot take would be is that that Kyle Collinsworth is a Luka Doncic comp, NBA comp. That is a pretty hot take. I don't think really hot. Take. I don't think the fans in Phoenix would love that take, but. Yeah, well, the I mean, the skill set similar, isn't it? The the skill set is Doncic can fairly similar. Doncic is, you know, he projects to be a much better passer. As far as like, Doncic projects to be like a not LeBron level passer, but like a really, really, really like transcendent playmaker. I guess if you're on your most optimistic day, sure. I mean, but he's, um, he's playing against grown men, and that's why like I give him the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, he he does seem. <laughs> I mean, it, it's. I think the most intriguing thing about him is just that. He seems like like the reason he's such a good prospect is because he's got a high floor and a high ceiling. Mm. Yeah, I mean like it like you can't see him being 
you th- you just picture him contributing right away, being solid for a team, and then you know, I mean, his ceiling is probably like way less athletic LeBron. I mean, yeah, which is which, which is a very high ceiling, but how high is it? like that's why we're projecting ceilings is so weird true. because like if yeah. LeBron wasn't as athletic, would he, he clearly would not be as good. That's true, you know. And I mean, yeah, at a certain point, you're just kind of saying, yeah, I mean, because and obviously that's also kind of preposterous because we're talking about LeBron. Like a less athletic LeBron is probably like Magic and Larry Bird. I mean, like, uh, yeah, well, I mean, so there's there's play, like Tobias Harris, for example. I think is, yeah, he's what six seven six eight long. Play make a little bit, run pick and roll, right. and there are, there are players like that. Uh, even yeah, I mean I, I don't know. I'm kind of struggling to think of names off the top of my head, but like Danilo Gallinari, is an example. Uh, yeah. Hito Turkoglu back in the day. Um, yeah, Turkoglu ran a lot of point well, in Orlando. But yeah. so here's another like, I think that what's what's weird about drafts is you always kind of process them. Like obviously there's NBA comps, but you're comping them to whoever you can think of. Mm. So you're kind of you process them in a vacuum. So you're comparing them to each other. Like, a, it, a player can be a surefire number one, but that might just be because you, nobody seems to like the other players better. Um, so, like, how would you rank Donkic versus Lonzo Ball? Who did you feel better about coming out of, oh, coming, coming into the draft? Me, personally, uh, I, liked, I, I like Doncic better as a prospect than I liked Ball, although it's tough because I'm, I like Doncic compared to the rest of this draft class where right. it's ball to the like for example last year I like Dennis more than I like Lonzo. That doesn't mm-hmm. mean I don't like Lonzo, it just means I like Dennis more. Um I feel like last year's draft class was better than this year's draft right. class too. That's yeah. kinda why I, I say so I even though and Lonzo way. went number two in this draft. Lonzo went number two and, and Donkic is like slated to go, to go number two by a lot of people. Top five at yeah. worst top five. But um yeah, I, I I don't know. I mean I think if Lonzo was in this draft class he would probably be the number one prospect. You think he would go number one? Probably because he's he's more of a point guard than Doncic is. I, th- I think that Doncic is so he's six eight. I think six seven. He's mm-hmm. listed as a two guard. I think he's gonna be playing small forward in the NBA. Okay. Um, and Lonzo is a point guard, and he Lonzo is a little more athletic. I think. I mean, he's he's definitely more of a run the floor. He's a, a better shooter, uh, at least percentage wise. You project right now than Doncic, who shot I think thirty one percent overseas. But um, I like both. I mean, I like right. both his players. But yeah, I think I like. I like Doncic more because, to me, there's novelty of being able to run offense out of the small forward spot. We got a taste of that with Parsons, who I think is a pretty fair comp mm-hmm. for Doncic as well. Yeah. Um, although Parsons was – Parsons, like, before his knees gave him some problems, he was very explosive. He was very yeah. explosive. I, I, yeah. don't, I don't know if Doncic is that explosive. I mean, Parsons had some filthy dunks in Houston. I mean, he, uh, could, he could get can, up. Doncic can get up on you, though. Yeah, he can. Yeah. He can. Yeah, I think the – I mean, Doncic – it, from what I can tell, I mean, I'm definitely not an expert on European basketball, but, I mean, it doesn't seem like, he, you know, uh, Trey Young and, and uh, Colin, Sexton, Colin Sexton, yeah, I mean, those guys will be able to get past guys in the NBA. Like, that's, even if they have huge flaws, they, you can put a solid defender on them, and they're still going to, with some regularity, get to the other side and get to the basket. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think... Doggage, I mean, he does not seem like his step is that. I mean, if you put – if Wes Matthews' life depended on staying in front of Luka Doggage, I would probably bet on Wes Matthews being able to do that. Um, and so that is, like, if you're drafting a guy number one, and, and I mean, what like what's the most important thing to get an offense going is getting to the basket, you yep. know, and, and, whether, and whatever you do from there. But yep. if you can't – if that's a non-starter for you – not a non-starter, but if that's not a strength for you – I mean, and you're drafting number one, then that's or two or three. Uh, I mean, it's something to be. I mean, I guess it does point to a potential ceiling at least. Mm. Well, I think that's where fit matters, and like Doyle mentioned earlier, there. I mean, there's other ways to get to the basket, pick and roll, especially. That's kind yeah. of the the, the play he, of the NBA right now. He does a little bit of that you know, with in Europe. Yeah, he does a lot of that actually. Yeah. I mean, he's kind of their main. He's the, yeah, he's their yeah. He's the focal point of the yeah. Offense. He really yeah. and which is very unusual for a guy his age. I mean, I, I really don't think that people understand how rare it is to see someone as young as he is carry as big of a responsibility offensively. I mean, it's it's unprecedented. He yeah. has a nice step back too. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that that's uh, yeah. I mean, and that's why you have that kind of NBA readiness, and that's why it's like, too. I mean, I think everybody but him. I mean, maybe Jackson. Jackson seems pretty NBA ready. 
but uh, I mean, I know we're look after what the Sixers have done and what kind of a blueprint we've seen. Like obviously, people will buy into the the idea that that you can be bad for a while if it's in you know uh, part of a strategy to get much better over time. But I think it, like every team is still tempted by the idea that if this guy can make us better than we are now, right? Like if, if next year he can make us better than we were last year, I mean, it's hard not to want that player. And I think it's smart to want that player because I mean, what, you know, what the Sixers did was specific. And I mean, it, it's a, was a long-term strategy, but I, I, getting better, it, it takes progress. And if, if you put a player that can get, can be good now and you put him in the right system, like the odds are he's going to keep getting better. And it's yep. just how it works, especially if he's 20 years old. And that's something you want to sort of bank on if you can. Hmm. So just draft the best player. That seems to be your guys' solution. But I'm going to break the, the high tie. Ceiling. Yeah, I mean, so, so Tim, Tim gave us two names. He gave us Jackson and um, Mo Bamba. In the interest of um, objectivity, because it was a – the rule was pick one player. I'm going to overrule Tim's vote for two and say that Tim chose Bamba. You can go to hell. Doyle <laughs> chose Jaron Jackson Jr. Johnny chose Michael Porter Jr. And the great thing, if you guys remember the rule, was you cannot pick Aiton or Doncic. The great thing is that uh, that adds up to five names. And what pick do the Mavs have? Number five. They have the fifth pick. For now. For now. So they are, assuming they stay, which I think is going to, I think that's how it's going to shake out. They will have – they are guaranteed even. I will guarantee you that they will have the opportunity to pick one of those five players. Now, they might take someone else, but I can promise you that one of those five names will be on the board when can they pick number five. Can you imagine if the three of us recommended those players and they didn't take our advice? Oh my I God. can absolutely I, imagine that I mean, that good happening. luck. <laughs> yeah. Here comes Bagley. <laughs> they just – Cuban is just burning the tape in his office like, oh – Tim you, likes you guys Mo don't Bamba. know how this works. Rick's gonna be frantically, you know, Donnie's gonna be frantically texting me, you know, with they're gonna be on the board and they're like, okay, Tim Cato, who do we take here? That's how it works. Tim's not little known the, fact. Tim's not gonna be at the media party on draft night. He's actually gonna be. <laughs> He'll in the try world. to reach you, but but you're behind the paywall. Yeah, so. like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> all right. That was part one of our two-part numbers on the boards. Part two will come out tomorrow, and in that edition, we're gonna look ahead and also look back at the summer of 2011 and the Mavs' glorious run to the NBA Finals. So make sure you listen to that. Thank you to Tim, Doyle, and Johnny for joining me. And uh, their work is not done, though. Like I said, we got, a, we got a part two coming tomorrow. So they'll be back. I'll be back. We'll be back on Numbers on the Boards. And we will see you tomorrow.